And we are live, back live again on YouTube the second time uh, on this Friday due to this breaking news. Walker, what happened? Uh, James Borrego has been dismissed as the head coach of the Charlotte Hornets after four seasons with the franchise. We saw the Woj bomb dropped about an hour ago now. I think that's about right. Um, as we are recording, going live here at 1250, it's me, Doug Branson, David Walker, talking about James Borrego, his dismissal. Woj dropping that an hour ago, talking also about how the team had lost a couple of play-in games, not getting to the playoffs. In those play-in games, they lost embarrassingly so. They got destroyed against the Indiana Pacers, where they lost by 27 points. This year in the play-in tournament, they lost by 29 with an epic third quarter collapse that they could not dig themselves out of. They also got off to a bad start, came back a little. I think it was a six point lead for the Hawks going into the locker room. We all know what happened in the second half. And Woj kind of talked about those two losses, despite 43 wins, increasing their win total by 10 games, by 10 wins every single year over the past three seasons, despite the development of a couple of these younger players like a Devontae Graham, maybe you want to put LaMelo Ball there, maybe you want to put Miles Bridges, PJ, whoever. Despite all of that, any of the positives you could argue for JB, the two play-in losses, the way they happened, was too much to overcome, and he was dismissed. Doug, we'll start with you. You know, What do you make of this news? Your surprise level and analysis following. Uh, I'm not entirely surprised by this because I did think that the two play-in losses uh, were evidence enough after four seasons and no uh, playoff appearances. And knowing that this is going to be one of the most important off-seasons in franchise history, I, I was not surprised that they made the move. I understand the arguments from those that are surprised by it because they look at the regular season record. They they heard James Borrego in that press conference after the season basically going over his <laughs> curriculum vitae, his his resume, uh, you know, saying the, the team has won 10 more games than the previous seasons for the past two seasons. The East has gotten better, et cetera, et cetera. But the bottom line is results – Zero playoff appearances, uh, so I wasn't entirely surprised, especially after those post-game press conferences. It just seemed like James Borrego was through the media trying to fight for his job. Yeah, and someone mentioned that after the season through these exit interviews, too. It was kind of an odd way for someone who is in good standing, you know, to start politicking uh, for their job. Not that we right. never see it, but that was kind of the sense that you guys – we started to get over the last week, guys, and, you know, the playoff, the play-in disasters, I think certainly were hard to stomach for ownership. Um, I think to me, and you start talking about, because there's blame up and down the organization for things that went on the court, things that went off the court. And, and, and to your uh, point, Doug, like the defenders of JB, they have a legitimate argument. Hey, this guy never had a full roster. Hey, this guy never had a real starting well, center. Neither did know? Clifford. I mean, those are those excuses exactly. will always no, no. exist. Yes, yeah. for sure, for sure. And I think for me at least, if we start talking about things that make you okay with this, it's it's the little things that we talked about throughout the season and especially when stuff went bad. The details, the attention to details, the little things on the court that were not happening consistently and we're not getting any better 
rotations, yes. lack of box out, little things yes. that, that, that 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 they made the difference in winning and losing that ultimately made the difference between getting into the playoffs and being on the outside looking in. Those are things that were not, you know, in my estimation, the players were not being held accountable for. They were not demanding uh, to have those details locked in enough, whether it's in practice, in film sessions, whatever. They kept happening over and over and over again. Some of that is on the players. Some of that yes. is on coming to be ready and play. But right. it's also what standard are they held accountable for? And I think at the end of the day, the ownership, if they asked them that in the exit interviews, you know, they didn't get an answer that they liked. But they were not seeing that progress in the little things. And I think that probably had a big part to do with it. Just real quickly, before you go on, Doug, I just wanted to, or before you respond, I did want to uh, put out there that Mitch Kupchak did put out a statement uh, on part of the Charlotte Hornets as well. This happened That's literally just like five minutes ago. So, yeah. quote, this is, this is it verbatim. Quote, I want to thank JB for his hard work and commitment during these past four seasons. Beyond his work as a coach, he is a tremendous person. I wish him and his family the best mm -hmm. in the future. These decisions are always difficult. Having said that, we have a talented, young core of players, which has me very excited about the future of the Hornets. Okay. We will begin the search for our new head coach immediately, hmm. end quote, end of statement. So with that being now a part of the equation, Doug, what were you going to say following David's comments? And what does that statement mean to you? Well, this is the first time we've heard from Mitch Kupchak since the season has ended. And that's very interesting because, again, Mitch Kupchak is on an expired deal. This makes me think that the Doesn't organization like <laughs> is moving forward with Mitch Kupchak in some capacity, yeah. whether it's in another role and maybe they do look to fill that GM role or if he is the GM. We don't know that for sure. But just having him make this statement, I, th I mean, somebody's got to make it, I guess. But, I, but just having him uh, out front and center on this, I think, is very interesting. The other thing that I want to say is that I, I, I think that James Brago is a talented coach and I think he's a talented player uh, uh, development. Uh, he has he has talent yeah. in player development, and we've seen that. I mean, Miles Bridges, Lamelo Ball's ascension, uh, but even the smaller players like Cody Martin, Jalen McDaniel's, these role players. He has built these players up through the system and has turned them into greater pieces than I think you're just your average coach would turn them into. And so I think he has a future in the league. But I think when you when you zoom when you zoom in and say, all right, in four seasons, what are the results? But also in this past season, was the message being heard? This is the exact same thing, by the way, that I said when Steve Clifford was fired. The message was not being received anymore, and you could tell each and every game that something was missing, something was wrong, and the players were unable to get to the level that the head coach was going out in front of the public and saying, this is how I want the game played, and it wasn't being played that way. We heard it over and over time and time again this season. We need a sense of urgency. We need to come out and play better in the first quarter, in the, in the beginning of the second half. We need to commit on the defensive end. And then it wouldn't happen, and then they'd say it again, and it wouldn't happen. And you heard it from James Borrego. You heard it from the players. So whether or not they that James Borrego had a great relationship with LaMelo Ball or Miles Bridges, to me, that's beside the point. I think as an organization, you have to evaluate, is my head coach, is my leader, is the message being received, and then the evidence being the play on the floor? And I think the answer this season was no.
you bring up the interesting point of the relationship that he had with the players, because we had talked about that article released that he had LaMelo and miles backing. Now, of course you could view that as Jake Fisher being informed on behalf of James Brago, who knows, right? That's why you always have to mention those reports with some kind of stipulation. Maybe James Brago did have a great relationship with LaMelo ball. I actually do believe it based off of miles comments for sure, because he lets you in a little bit more. He did say JB, as vice versa, Miles Bridges had a special place in JB's heart. I think Miles has kind of talked about that too regarding the head coach. I do think that if either one of more so LaMelo, if he says, nah, I want JB here, then mm. this team probably listens. But if he is not going to bat, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to put this on LaMelo, oh boy, but at the same time, music yeah, yeah. <laughs> I going. know I'm saying I'm not doing it. I'm saying I'm not. Okay. This, this, okay. this okay. clearly isn't on LaMelo ball, why he's fired. But at the same time, I think it's fair to ask if LaMelo clearly wanted JB here and made that message clear to Mitch, to Michael, to Buzz Peterson, if he's involved heavily. I don't know if he made that message clear. I think that has to have a decent of a, enough impact to the point where he's back and maybe it doesn't, but I would think it certainly has some kind of impact on the way that this Hornets organization was going to operate. Yeah, I think so for sure. I, to your point, I, I didn't see a whole lot of, we didn't see a whole lot of strife. You know, you had the book night thing on the sidelines, you had things, I mean, that's going to happen with, when things are not going well and you got fiery guys uh, working together and trying to get wins out of this team, you know, trying to look somewhere, trying to figure out what can we change here to change the outcome. And I think that's another thing that this team was looking at. This ownership was looking at, right? Like there needed to be changes up and down the board, uh, but they have a window here with LaMelo, right? And, and oftentimes the quickest and the easiest and the, and the simplest option is to swap out your head coach. And that's just the fact of the matter. I mean, that's just how that business goes. You know what I mean? He's been here for four years, you know, did a bang up job, I think with the development piece of that, but uh, they had to ask themselves, have we hit the ceiling with this particular group, uh, coaching staff included? And do we need so. someone else? Do we need a new voice in here to, you know, to, to guide LaMelo and the crew into the next level? And I think, yeah, I think you're right, Doug. I think they obviously came to that conclusion. A lot of people that I'm seeing that are surprised by the moves. Uh, Nikias Duncan, um, Tom Habistro was surprised by the move, and they're citing the things that that Borrego was citing: the ten wins each year, right. you know, Lamelo yeah. Ball rookie yeah. of the year, Miles Bridges developed into a twenty point per game score. This is what Tom Habistro is saying. I get all of that, and, and so w what I'm saying is that I think this firing is really less about. James Borrego's ability to coach, to head coach a basketball yeah. team and to inspire and to, and to develop players. I think it's more about this particular group was complacent. I think this, this move is about shaking up this group and saying, Hey, you know, we didn't do well enough last year. That was, it was not good enough. I know 43 wins. I know the East has gotten better, but we didn't do a good enough job. Oh, seven in overtime, and they got shellacked in that play-in game. I'm, I'm sitting here saying right now, and, and, and if and they listen, win that play-in game, I, oh, I don't yeah. think we're sitting here but talking that, about James Brago being look, fired. No. Look what people were talking about around the play-in round, especially how intense it was, how great that was for the league, how yeah. awesome that. What was the only team that just did not show up for two years in a row? The two Hornets. Years in a row? Bobby now, Marks look, took this team to the woodshed. 
when they did not show up in this Atlanta Hawks game. And it was a lot of effort based stuff, not right. necessarily the execution. It was not getting up for the game. And look, I've said this a million times. I was saying it in the regular season as to the conversation regarding James Brago's future. The one thing that could not happen happened. The mm-hmm. one thing that could not happen in order to yep. save James Brago's future with the Hornets, undoubtedly so, was to get destroyed in a play-in game. That took place. In the second half, the Hornets got destroyed. And Michael Jordan is sitting here. The Hornets, Mitch Kupchak, whoever, are looking like, man, the two huge games that we had the last couple of seasons, we didn't have a shot in hell at winning those contests. You could argue the roster. You could argue not having a center. You know why? Because those are real problems. They deserve to be argued. But also, James Borrego lack of getting these guys up for big games. You know, what's funny is I feel like this is the inverse of Steve Clifford where Steve Clifford might put together some lackluster regular seasons, but he was ready for big games. You know, you Mm -hmm. go to the postseason where he was awesome against Eric freaking Spolstra, (laughs) you know, like Steve Clifford was able to put up a game plan in some of these more important games, but regular seasons, like again, I don't think it's about, I don't, I, other than uh, there was a loss to the Knicks that I really felt like Borrego got absolutely outcoached by Tibbs, both from from a strategic and a rotation yeah. level. There was well, certainly that was some of, game, right? That was when Lamelo yeah, didn't play. So there was certainly mistaken. some of that. There was a little sprinklings of that, but for the most part, I didn't really have a pro. I thought Borrego did the best that he could defensively with a bad situation, but his inability to get them to respond to the message, the inspiration part of the job, I think, is where ultimately his time ran out. Well, and David, we'll go to you on this one, but that even even so, I'm not even necessarily talking about an X's and O's execution standpoint. Steve Clifford, while I do think he was good at at making a game plan on the X's and O's standpoint, I also think those guys were ready to go to war for Steve. A lot of them were. And and they like the effort stuff, I hate talking about it. But Miles Bridges and Terry Rozier, every single game, talked about how they need to increase it. Why did it not happen? Maybe we find out that a lot of it is the players with this next head coach. I don't know. And then that's where, David, your point comes in. It's just a lot easier to fire the coach, and at least you have to shake something up. Yeah, and young team, right? Sure, young yeah. team. This Different situation this, with Clifford, right? Clifford was full yeah. of veterans. This team, it's that it's was true. Clifford's firing true. was part of a larger organizational shakeup. To me, true. this firing is representative of, hey, everybody else, wake up. Okay, because we got to start yeah. winning now. Oh, you think this is a message move right here? I like, do. This is, I yeah. absolutely one hundred thousand percent. And what other moves really, you know, did they have to make or, or would have been easier to make, right? Uh, talking about shaking things up. I mean, we'll see what they do this uh, is the with the personnel. One. Yeah, it's the easiest one for sure. And I don't think this is a knee-jerk reaction. Like, I think a lot nationally this is going to be years. as, oh, Now, now, now you ever- did read, now, the, hold on though. He They did re-sign him to the extension. That's, That's the true. only part where That's I'm like, true. okay, that happened in August of 2021. Well, what did we say? And what do we say at that time that it happened? This extension is good enough until this extension is no longer in place. I mean, really, right. that's what it comes down to. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, so, 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 so to me, like, I, I think um, uh, Josh Lloyd, I was tweeting with him a little bit uh, about this, and he said nationally, I think this will be a shock to people. And, and you're seeing that, right? The national uh, reporters and, and people that maybe are not locked in on this team, locked on this team uh, oh, from a day to day basis. You. Um, 
they're, they're seeing that, right? They're seeing the progression, all the good stuff we talked about that just has not bared out when it comes down to brass tacks. And I think this is something they've been seeing throughout. We've been talking about it, you know, since before the all-star break, some of this stuff that's just lagging and lagging and dragging them down in key moments when the details are not being paid attention to enough and it resulted in losses. And I think that's what the ownership saw. Yes. The play in disaster yeah. killed them. Yes, all this stuff is apparent, but I don't think this was a quick decision. I don't the think it was clock, an easy. That, That's what they're hearing. Tick, 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 tick. The clock is yeah. ticking on LaMelo Ball's and, era in and, Charlotte. All right, listen. And, we've And to that yeah. point, real quick though, Doug, has this ever has this team ever been more attractive as a landing spot for a head coach than it is right now? I, I don't think so. I mean, there's gonna be plenty of people lining up to 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 want to you know, drive the car with LaMelo. Perfect segue. Cause home. I was just to say, we've waited long enough. We got everybody in the chat is dying to hear what we think about possible head coaching candidates. And, uh, and there are, I'm there are idea. quite a few. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I mean, we've got some, but go ahead. Doug. Well, they're, 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 well, listen, there are a lot of coaches right now. Now the Hornets are going to be competing with the Lakers and probably a few other organizations after all of this is said and done. Um, but, but what do we think? I mean, look, I'm out on Vogel. I'm out on Mark yeah. Jack. There's a lot of candidates that I'm out on. I'm out on coach K. I just don't think any of <laughs> Jay Wright. I don't think Does Jay coach Wright do K? anything for what about, well, look, Carolina. Jay Wright's inter- that's bring, an interesting name. Let's bring back Roy Williams. Um, see if we can get him out of retirement. I mean, um, no, I well, think it's look- got, but, but, but I will say, I think the next head coaching candidate, in my opinion, needs to be someone with proven playoff success I think if they try to go after another young assistant even a long term even a guy like Sam Cassell who's been an assistant forever mm-hmm. and seems to you know be in line for a lot of these head coaching jobs I think it's got to be someone who has proven playoff success knows the defensive end of the floor um it, it's Brown? not about player development anymore about it's Larry about Brown. bring him back <laughs> hey got him to the playoffs so I think I, I don't you think they're also looking around the league and you look at Dallas, you look at Boston, you look at I mean, shoot, look at New Orleans. I mean, but but Dallas and Boston come to mind because those teams kind of flipped on the on their head defensively. Right. They turned things up and became well, two of the hotter teams in the league this year with new head coaches. Different situations. You got superstars on those teams that are established. But when they look around the landscape, they're saying, hey, we got to shake things up. Uh, I think th- they got to be leaning that way, right? Right, Walker, to Doug's point. They got to be leaning. They got to get some experience somewhere. Uh, if they can't bring it in on personnel, it feels like they need a voice in the in the locker room. My only problem with that is I don't want to go for some recycled coach that is out of a job for some kind of reason. There, you know. Now, to be fair, coaches. Hey, are reci- there's nothing wrong with recycling. Recycling is good for the earth. Earth Day. I think it's Earth. Look, isn't it earth Day. It is Earth Day. It is. Yeah, earth let's day. talk well, about look. some recycling. I mean, can I give you, I, can I give you one name? Can ahead. I give you one name that would be a kind of a recycle, but I think would be, and it's already been mentioned in the chat and by one of my favorite commenters, Danny in the chat. This is, I think this is who I'm giving my coaching rose to right now. Kenny Atkinson, the point yep. guard wizard, I think would be perfect to pair with LaMelo. I'm not like totally certain about his like defensive credentials. 
And yeah, I just went against myself in terms of playoff success, but I just really like Kenny Atkinson. <laughs> no, I mean, the takes are flying all over the place. You've already given your rose out and he's been fired for 70 minutes. So, you know, <laughs> Doug is already raring to go for Kenny Atkinson, believe on the Warrior staff. Well, did I, not, I mean, look, I've already, look, I said Borrego's a good coach. I, I appreciate everything that Borrego has done for this organization in terms of getting it to this place. But I honestly, I'm just going to be honest. Like, I always thought it ended here. I didn't think it necessarily yeah. ended with the two playoff and uh, play in and bear. But I just I never believe I never fully believed that Borrego was it's why the extension surprised me because I never fully believed that Borrego was the coach that was going to take the Hornets into playoff success. I always believed they were going to have to find that guy. So let me let me catch up real quick. One, I think this play in loss had a huge role in firing James Borrego. So it doesn't mean that it has to be knee jerk because we had this playoff embarrassing loss two years ago. But the fact that it happened again absolutely played a role in James Borrego's firing. If they lose that game by five and it comes down to the wire, JB is the head coach of the Charlotte Hornets team. I don't, I don't really have too much of a doubt of that. Like I think JB is back. If that doesn't happen coming back to this, as far as the coaching standpoint, the coaching search that is immediate now reported by Rod Boone and the Charlotte Hornets, Mitch Kupchak talking about that in his release statement, you mentioned somebody with playoff success. You mentioned somebody that, could go out there and maybe develop some players. You know, one guy that you dismissed fits that role. That's Frank Vogel. You know, this is someone that has playoff success. Hold on for one second with Indiana, who saw a (laughs) mid-market team go out there with Paul George, with Roy Hibbert, with a bunch of other players, develop them and take LeBron James and the Miami Heat for seven games. Then you can talk about the Lakers, where he made that team into a really solid, very good defense defense and clearly it's not his fault that the Lakers turned into shambles this year with Russell Westbrook I would not hate the Frank Vogel hiring the last point real quick I'll make is I don't want to dismiss any assistant coach that could come on board because you talk about an email Udoka somebody that the Charlotte Hornets were interested in when they interviewed James Borrego, Ime Udoka was a part of that process. He was a part of the pop tree. Now he makes one defensive adjustment and makes the Boston Celtics look like a damn NBA championship contender if they were down and out at the midway point of this He's season. He's probably ungettable at this point. <laughs> yeah, Ime Udoka is, but is there another assistant that could fit that bill with the right roster? I mm. think an assistant coach with a nice, with an, a good game plan with good chops that have, you know, whatever coaching under whatever head coach there is, that's something that needs to be in strong consideration too. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a name. Right. And, and we're, I'm certainly not going to reel off all the hot up and coming assistant coaches because I, I don't know any of them. Uh, but, but they've got to be looking that way as well. I'm going to say that, it that, needs to be a name. I, I think, think it, it needs, needs to be a name. name. I think it's got to be a name. Well, what name? Tough. Well, like it's uh, a, a head coach names. name, head so coach experience. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, yeah, I did coaching give you a experience. Name, That's what, yeah, head coaching experience. There's not a lot of uh, you know the cliche is there are not a lot of these jobs. So if you have one of the jobs, you have a name. Um, so I I do think they need someone who's an experienced head coach for sure. Can't take a chance. Can't roll the dice at this point. If you if you roll the well, dice, I'm scared. That's the thing. He's got to. They've got to nail this one right. I mean, this is this is what it's come down to. This is the start of the next phase and it could be the end. <laughs> I mean, the start of the end, if it doesn't go well, I mean, the, who knows? The, this, this can't this be a Dunlap. We cannot, for anyone who's uh, oh my God, oh my God. been don't listening to the show don't for a long that. time, been following the end of the Bobcats era, uh, Mike Dunlap. But he does a, have, but he does have head coaching experience, Doug. <laughs> that's what he wants. He doesn't have playoff experience. That, that's my problem with, with, I don't, I don't think 
that getting a name with playoff experience means you're not rolling the dice. You know, there's a reason that those guys are out of jobs to some degree, whether it be player relationship, no. whether it be, well, I just, who is that? I don't know who that coach is. Like you Steve know, Mark Clifford. Jackson. How about Steve Clifford? Mark, I'm going to throw Steve yeah. Clifford in there. Playoff Mark experience. Mark Jackson's scary. I mean, Mark Jackson's damn scary. But he's the and name plus, that comes up. Well, and, and but he's plus, been out of the game for a while, and and his tenure ended in in Golden State in a, in a weird way where it just I don't know it just doesn't feel like guys the players were talking about a weird ass practice schedule they couldn't get behind yeah. like this isn't just Mark yeah, Jackson that doesn't seem like, like it's the guy weird to like, the, and he hasn't and he hasn't been able to get back in so I mean, yeah like the Mark Jackson stuff for people who are like well he got Golden State started okay. Drafting Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, the best shooting backcourt, which great. He called it. That's excellent. Why? And the no, Hornets are started. The Hornets are started. That's what they don't need. They don't need as somebody who can come in and start. They need somebody who can like put gas in in the car and and get it to go 100 miles an hour. Yeah. And, and I get that look, car to play defense. And yeah. <laughs> make sure. I don't know how you get cars to play defense, but if you can, by all means, you know, here's the red carpet. You can walk down Spectrum Center and become the head coach of this franchise. Well, finishing- I, so Go ahead. The, the thing is, like, you, I, I do think they've got to prioritize some kind of defensive mentality. But but they also have to be careful that they don't bring in a head coach that has that full-on defensive mentality and then comes in and, like, frustrates LaMelo Ball and, like, try you know, tries to change his game and, and can't can't really sign on for the LaMelo ball experience, which is going to be, he is a, he's a buck and Bronco man. Like he's, he's somebody that just <laughs> improvs a lot, plays the game with instinct. And you, you know, we saw James Borrego try to navigate those waters and I thought he navigated them pretty well. I mean, you're getting, you're getting LaMelo ball to kind of sign off on you and saying like, he's, you know, they, I mean, he, he had praise for uh, James Borrego at times, but you got to find somebody who can deal with that. Cause that would be, that's the disaster is somebody comes in and then, and then, you know, really frustrates the mellow ball. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you read between the lines here and there guys, you could see there was not tension, but there was some disagreement about how much freedom maybe, especially LaMelo had at times. Right. I mean, that slam article, he specifically mentioned once he gets the keys even more than he had gotten them or some, I'm paraphrasing, uh, he would really be, you know, turned loose. So uh, not to say that we could see that this coming the whole way, but Doug, just the final thought, I, I think you're right. I mean, we had kind of talked about it along the way. It didn't feel like JB would be the guy to crank this up to the next level uh, when he was when here developing things. And, and, and look, I mean, that, and, and part of that's just reality of the NBA, right? Guys, four years, how much longer was it going to go on? You had to see what else you could get out of this LaMelo ball window now, uh, so you would know what to do moving forward. And so I think, yeah, the people that are upset that JB's gone uh, are right because he was a good coach and he is a good coach. But for this group, there needed to be a change and clearly the ownership thoughts so. on. Yeah, I mean, it just to kind of look back at the pros and cons of what JB brought, you look at the player development. I think that he had a big part in that. I think some of that responsibility is shared from Mitch Kupchak, being able to draft players that could be developed into something special, but you could also give credit to both of those parties. I think the after timeout plays from JB, while maybe some people didn't want PJ Washington to shoot a three pointer, he was open, right? Like you might not like the player, but it's because I loved him. The the ATOs were really good. In fact, there's some, there's some, there's even some adjustments I think that JB made that were good as far as a coaching philosophy. 
I've always said my biggest problems were players that didn't see the court. Some of his decisions as to the minutes restriction for some of these players that didn't make sense to me, you know, limiting some of these guys and having a short leash, having the weird, like even some of the mellow ball stuff, you know, that was, that was interesting. The starting, the starting a player for seven minutes and then never seeing the floor again. Oh my God. I won't miss that. Marker of the Borrego era. You know, Vernon Carey for the fouls. That was yeah. When Vernon Carey going off for twenty five points, starting the next game, and then getting you know put back to the bench after two minutes, and then bringing PJ Washington. What what are we doing here? Like there's some of that stuff that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. You know, and, and that's that's some of the bad that would eventually leave JB without a job. But the Charlotte Hornets again, the, the final nail in the coffin was losing to Atlanta the way he did. And mm. it you, JB could sense it with him yeah. self kind of defending um, some of the improvement that they had made throughout the last couple of seasons. Can I throw one more name before we get out of here? One more Please. name. I don't know if it's going to be serious or not, but go ahead. Throw it out there. If you want a winner, you got to go out and get a quinner. Quinn Snyder. I thought about Quinn. Oh. I thought about Quinn. Because I, I don't think he's long for this uh, Utah Jazz game. And he, I, from and what I see. Mentioned, he was mentioned here before, too, if you th- Big way yeah, back. and, and from what I see, it seems he has him. a great relationship with Rudy Gobert. Um, so, you know, we talked about oh. if you want to go listen to our other show <laughs> that we did. We've done two shows today. Go listen to our other show. You know, we were caping pretty hard for a possible, you know, trade to get good Rudy Gobert here. So that could be an interesting little one-two punch a Rooney. What about um, Doc Rivers getting traded from the Clippers <laughs> to Philadelphia? Let's just go ahead and make a trade for Quinn Snyder. Yeah. We'll like there is swap. precedent here. Let there, yeah, we could go. For what, Quinn is the, what is Quinn Snyder? Is Quinn Snyder on the last year getting mentioned so much? You know, but again, I think we have to take into consideration if if they don't want to go after Vogel, then they are going to be competing with several other organizations. And this happens to the Hornets whenever they go looking for a coach. Is like they have a couple of names in mind, they bring some guys in, and uh, you know, usually one or two of those names. Um, end up going to organizations with with a little bit more cred. You know, and Adrian Griffin is also somebody that is, is interesting to me. He's an assistant coach, but he's on that Raptors staff. You know, he's talked about some of the defensive mindsets they've had in, in, in you're working with Nick Nurse, who I do think is a, a good head coach in this league. So an Adrian Griffin is somebody that would be interesting. I, I even do think of Sam Cassell. Like, I, I'm open mm-hmm. to the idea because I think the ceiling for an assistant coach that we haven't seen before is, is the roof. so big. It's the roof, as Michael Jordan might say. And I want to hit the roof. On the sideline. I Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Doug is gone. It's not gonna I thought you were gonna yes. I, th- I thought you were gonna leave. I thought Doug yes. was gone. MJ right. on the sideline. Yes. Any finishing thoughts on this as we try to wrap this up? Hey, the most important and exciting offseason in Hornets history is upon us full force now. With a new wrinkle. Now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, and I'll just say this. Uh, if you're out there, you know, catching up nationally and uh, looking for feedback on this hire, uh, everyone always defends the coach when they get fired. So you're mm-hmm. going to hear a lot of good things about JB, as you should. Uh, but you got to hope for the Hornets sake that they are, they are looking to the future. And, and, and I'm, I'm kind of curious if they, you know, surely they have a short list, right? They always have a short list uh, of guys they want to talk to. So, they have so a we'll see list. how that turns out. That's they true. Have a medium list, or is it only a short list? I think we'll have to figure that out. Uh, my final thoughts are that I think JB 
um, is a good coach. Uh, I think he has a future in the NBA and, and certainly has done uh, tremendous things for this organization to get them to where they are. Um, but, but ultimately, time ran out, opportunities ran out, and, and I think this will long-term, um, if they nail this higher and they make some good personnel moves in this uh, offseason, will be the, the best long-term move uh, for the organization. I'm not, I don't think it's, uh, I think it's weird to celebrate any firing, and I think anybody right. who's out there yeah. celebrating hey, this firing no, is no, goofy. No, no. Don't be a goof. Um, but but understand I, that this is the I think it's the best move for all parties honestly. But I don't th- and, and to the flip side of that I don't think it's the thing where people should be just outraged that it happened either no. right like JB had proven he was he was up to the task but I don't think there was anything out there saying well you're losing a surefire uh, coach that's going to take you to he to wasn't a in any he wasn't like he wasn't in the conversation behind the conversation behind the conversation no. for coach of the year no. No, he was not. Um, so feel medium about it. Don't feel too high. Don't feel low. We need you guys to feel <laughs> yeah, no medium short list, no long list. Firing. I need a medium list. Do you sure. want to get to some comments real quickly before we end? I know oh, we boy. went live. I mean, and I'm sure there's a lot. Yeah, I mean, just coaching candidates, more of that stuff. It's just names. People loving throwing out the names, and I love it too. Uh, Matt mm-hmm. says Quinn Snyder would be epic. Someone named Kenny Atkinson earlier too. Right. Uh, Ghost says finally Quinn Snyder, Lamelo, Rudy Gobert, Miles Bridges, a perfect start. Uh, get rid of everything else. Uh, scrolling. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. Uh, oh, hey. Um, uh, this uh, it's Arjun Da Hindu uh, who is uh, follows us on Twitter a lot. Says my first time watching the live podcast, <laughs> and I feel like the chat is burning my brain cells. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it goes. The chat burns. <laughs> the chat is hot. The chat is heartburn. Um, I can't but we look love. At it. We love the chat. Um, yeah, a lot of people uh, loving Mark Jack. It's weird. It's weird that mm. the chat loves Mark because Jackson everybody so remembers. Much. Everybody's like, "Oh, Golden State got started with him, and then he was let go." And Golden State's become this three-time champion winner with Steph Curry and all of that good stuff that happened. That you attribute him to Golden State, they don't realize that I believe they had a playoff exit unexpectedly. So that led to Mark Jackson's firing, if I'm not mistaken. Like it was, it was okay. They, they beat the Spurs. It was, it was a good Spurs series. They get bounced. Warriors are up and coming. Then it took a year later than everybody thought. And then it was the first year of Steve Kerr. And then they win the championship the year prior. Mark Jackson didn't get them anywhere. My last thing uh, I'll say is we've got the head coaching decision down now, as far as whether JB was going to come back, this new head coach, that has to be decided by the general manager who doesn't have a contract yet. Who that? Mitch Kupchak, Mitch Kupchak can put out a statement for the Charlotte Hornets because right now he's the general manager. Who else? We don't know who do that it? general manager is going to be. And so now we have this wrinkle of the most exciting Charlotte Hornets, the most important Charlotte Hornets offseason we've seen in quite some time because of a new head coaching search. The first thing that needs to happen before any Gordon Hayward decision is made, Miles Bridges, anything for James Borrego is the fact that you have to have a GM in place and we don't know who that's going to be. If that's going to be Mitch Kupchak again, you got to get a GM in place. You got to get a coach in here and then you got to figure out who you're going to draft, what you're going to do. Right. So they got a busy few months. Yeah, they really do. All right. Well, Hey, we're going to be covering it. We're going to be covering it every single day. We are a daily podcast. If you're just checking us out for the first time on this news, uh, we're on all the podcast apps, audio. We're we're on uh, this YouTube channel as well. Subscribe, like the videos, 
Um, subscribe to the podcast. Do all of those things. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets because uh, this is going to be a fun off season to follow. Yep, it's getting crazy. It's getting lit. The Locked On Hornets podcast because the Hornets are out here making decisions. Doug is lit. David is lit. We're all lit. All right, we'll talk to you. Chat is lit. Uh, I know it is. It burns. It burns too much. I need to get away. Have a great weekend. We'll be back with you on Monday.